Welcome. Well, you're at home with Jim and Joy, and you are an important part of our EWTN family. And we are delighted that you have welcomed us into your home. We would love to hear from you. So send us an email with a question or a comment to jimandjoy at EWTN.com. And today our guest is Maria Gallagher. She is a Catholic author and a speaker. She is the legislative director for the Pennsylvania Pro-Life mm -hmm. Federation. Right. Did you even know that there was a Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation? Well, we know as there are in many states. And so today mm -hmm. what we want to do is equip, equip our family in ways that we can respond to defend the culture of life. And on Monday, you know, we had uh, Jorel, um, Heartbeat International, Heartbeat International yeah. on, and he was talking about you know, how the landscape has changed in our country, what is our response, what do we need to do, and we certainly are still in a war for the mm. culture yeah. of life. And who are we battling? The culture of death. Yeah. And so we need to be equipped, we need to be empowered, we need to be informed, we need to pray, mm. and then we need to do something with what yeah. we're supposed to, and our response to that. And Maria Gallagher's book addresses all of that. Yes. Uh, the title of the book, Mercy's Power, Inspiration to Serve the Gospel of Life. And Maria likes to speak about it, I think it's great, she spe speaks about phase two in, in the pro-life movement uh, since the overturn of Roe versus Wade. What does that mean now? What's the perspective we're to have now? What's happening at this moment? What do we need to be doing? And her book is just a great hands-on, everyday readable book uh, that deals with Mary as well as Martha, as I said, you know, Mary chose, chose the better portion, Mary, woman of prayer, Martha, woman of action. This book is about prayer, this book is about action, and it's about harnessing God's mercy at this time for our lives, for our families, for our churches, for our nation, for the world, for this pro-life movement, Christ's mercy coming to the people at this hour and this time. We'll be right back, plenty more to come. Please don't go away. We're at home with Jim and Joy, and today our guest is Maria Gallagher. She is a Catholic author, and she's a speaker who has written two books, and both these books are available at EWTNRC.com, Mercy's Power, An Inspiration to Serve the Gospel of Life, and Joyful Encounters with Mary, A Woman's Guide to Living the Mysteries of the Rosary. And you could go to her website, Maria V. Gallagher, Dot com. Well, Maria, we want to welcome you to At Home, and we're delighted to have you. We want you first to tell our family a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into this beautiful book on Mercy's Power. Well, thank you so much for having me to begin with. It's an honor to be with both of you today. And I would say that I'm an ordinary person who's been touched with extraordinary grace. Um, I started out life as a journalist, and I worked in the secular media for a long time. And then I felt a calling to the pro-life movement. And uh, I've been with the pro-life movement ever since. And I work currently with the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation, which is the Pennsylvania affiliate 
of National Right to Life, and we deal exclusively with the issues of abortion, infanticide, euthanasia, and assisted suicide. Wow. There are many different issues out there which demand our attention, but we feel that those are the core pro-life issues that we need to be involved in and we need to motivate people about. And on the side, I still like to write, and so I decided that I would write for CatholicMom.com, National Right to Life News Today, and LifeNews.com. Perfect. And I decided the Lord laid it on my heart to write books. So I've been writing books for the past couple of years, and it's been a tremendous ministry. Mm. I've been able to touch people in a different way with the pro-life message. People that I would not have been able to have served through the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Mm. And I just feel as if God is calling each one of us to this extraordinary time to give of ourselves to the pro-life movement. And I feel that my background really prepared me for this because I had a background in communications graduated from Ohio State University and Northwestern University in journalism. And I feel that whole time God was preparing me for a moment like this. Mm -hmm. And I feel so very honored to be able to serve him in this capacity. Well, th that is so beautiful. And the wonderful thing about we know about our good God is when we think um, we have an idea and a plan as to how we're going to be and do in our career and our life, God says, okay, you've been trained, you've been equipped, and now we're going to turn that, and you're going to use all those gifts and talents to advance my kingdom, right? And so here you are with your skills, being a lobbyist in Pennsylvania, um, going into really uh, like uh, the devil's den almost, <laughs> with just with the powers and principalities that be, right? So tell our family why you decided to write this book on mercy's power. Well, for a long time, God had laid it on my heart to write a pro-life book, but I didn't really know what angle to take. I didn't know if anybody would be interested in such a book. And then it just so happened that I was talking with an editor at Marion Press, Chris Sparks, and he said to me, you know, we haven't published a pro-life title in a while. And I felt that was my nudge from the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit to get moving on this pro-life book. I wrote it in about a couple of months, and uh, when I turned it in, thank heavens we had the overturn of Roe versus Wade. And so I had to readjust it a little bit. I had to edit it. I had to talk about the new reality that we face mm -hmm. in phase two of the pro-life movement. And I feel that with my editor, we managed to capture that. And I think that this is a book for our time because we live in a tremendously divisive world, a divisive country. And much of the division stems from disagreements on the issues of life. And I think a lot of people are motivated by misinformation and media narratives. I know I was starting out in the news media. When I started out, I didn't know that a baby's heart starts beating 24 days after conception, that brain waves can be detected 43 days after conception, that at six weeks after conception, a baby is like a miniature doll with mm. arms and legs and fingers and toes. I did not know that when I was a working journalist. I was reporting on abortion all the time, but I didn't know these basic yeah. facts. And I think a lot of people are in that boat. And it's up to us to communicate the message of pro-life with love and understanding and with mercy. And I feel that we try to do this in this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just love when you speak about phase two in the movement. 
because it's such an exciting time in the movement, but what are the basic things we need to know? Your book addresses that. You just listed some of them in terms of the humanity of the unborn, their humanity based on, you didn't say anything about Jesus. You, you, you talked about mm -hmm. the development and their DNA and so okay. on. And those things are in your book because you're seeking to equip this generation to do this work. And you must be armed with the truth. Absolutely. I mean, it's so very important that we educate ourselves before we educate other people, right? right? And that's true in any field, but it's particularly true with pro-life because there are so many misconceptions about the pro-life cause. There are so many people that think that we are against women. Far from it. Mm -hmm. We are for women. We're for empowering women to make life-affirming choices for themselves and their families. So many people think that um, we are anti-science, for instance. Again, far from it. Our movement is based on science. We know when life begins. It's not a big mystery. Yeah. We know the facts. And we need to share that information with other people in a kind, compassionate manner. Because we have to realize that a lot of people may just be ignorant of the basic facts. Right. Well, so in what you're doing in going before legislators and lobbying, what, what are you finding? What are some of the big obstacles um, on the pro-choice side and the pro-life side? Well, I think one of the biggest obstacles that we face today is, um, unfortunately, a news media which provides these narratives, and the narratives aren't necessarily based in reality. And they want to portray pro-lifers in a certain light, which is a false light. And we need to let people know that we are for both the mother and the child. In fact, we're for the whole family. We're for the, for the fathers, too. And when people realize what it is that we're fighting for, they're more likely to come to our side. And I think one of the basic challenges that we face in the state legislature, for instance, is just in arming the legislators with the truth that they need to tell their constituents. They often get wrapped up in um, word salads, let's say, and they don't know how to articulate the message properly. So that's a, a big stumbling block for a lot of people. They know in their heart that they're pro-life, but they don't know how to spread the message. And I hope that through this book and through other means, I'm giving them the tools they need yeah. so that they can educate themselves and their communities. Yeah. We have a chapter in the book, Pro-Life 101, Yes. And that's just so important. And some, a lot of what you're sharing now is in that 101. You may want to share a few more things that mm -hmm. are in there. But we need to be informed. We need to be ready. We need to be confident. Because if we can have the conversation, if we can have a conversation, lots of times you don't even get to have a conversation. That's right. Because they're just going to call you names or shout you down. Usually when we have a conversation and we find this in our pregnancy help center yes. where we are, 80% of the time we win. And that's as, right. as I mean by that, we win and they choose life to have this child because mm -hmm. they didn't know so much. And so there was all this misinformation and disinformation that was with them. But in 10 minutes or so, seeing that ultrasound, sharing together, feeling the support of a community. And this is where you're talking about mercy, that we're extending mercy to them, mercy to that child, connecting them with that child more fully, allowing them to see that child more fully. 80% of the people we see at our center, it may be different other places, are Christian people. Mm -hmm. And so they, many of them have committed a sin, you know, of fornicating and, 
or, or maybe they're even married and thinking about aborting their child. So once they get in that environment, they're filled with guilt and shame. We have to apply mercy to that too. We have to let them know they're accepted. We don't accept the sin, but you're welcome here. And that's where you're talking about harnessing mercy for the child, harnessing mercy, loving them both. If they happen to come with a guy, loving that guy, sharing with him, supporting him through the process. Absolutely, and I think that a lot of legislators and people in the general public don't know no, basic no. facts, such as the fact that 64 million yeah. preborn children have died as a result of legal abortion since 1973. Yeah. 64 million, imagine that. Imagine the whole cities and towns that have been obliterated as a result of abortion, right? Yeah. A lot of people don't realize the power of the ultrasound to persuade because they don't understand that the ultrasound shows the connection between the mother and child. I know that when I was pregnant with my daughter, I saw her playing with her toes in the ultrasound yeah. mm -hmm. and it really humanized her yeah. and it made me feel as if I were connected with her. A lot of people don't realize the support that's available to pregnant women in this day and age. And people need to realize that there is help and support available for yeah, everyone. Absolutely. And especially also for those women who have undergone the tragedy of abortion, mm -hmm. that they can find hope and healing through Rachel's Vineyard yeah. or other post-abortive healing yeah. ministries. Yeah. We want that word to go out today at this very mm -hmm. moment. Right. That there is hope, there is help, there is healing. We mentioned optionline.org where you There's can find, support after find all the pregnancy mm -hmm. medical mm -hmm. centers and they'll help you to find a post-abortion healing work. Because we, we've had people call into the show, 70 years year old, 80 years old, mm -hmm. and it's the first time that they say, I had an abortion when I was, and I'm troubled by this. Right. You know, don't, don't wait that long. It's not the unpardonable sin. It's a grievous sin. And there were certain circumstances and situations, what you know, what you didn't know, as John Paul says in Evangelium Vitae. Uh, but but they face it. Face mm -hmm. it and face it with people who are going to love you, have the resources that you need to come through on this. So yeah, we can't, you, you're really committed to building a new culture, yes. a whole new culture of life. And you're saying, these are the things it's going to take to do that. Speak to us a little bit more about mercy, because mercy's been very big in your own life. Yes. From reading your story. Yes. You grew up in a godly family, pro-life people, uh, and, and yet somehow, some way, uh, it didn't stick as well as it should have. You went to Catholic schools. There was the expectation from your parents. You are going to be trained properly in morals and ethics and doctrine. That didn't, really didn't happen at that time. And uh, you gradually kind of slipped away but you experienced God's mercy. You experienced the heart conversion. So tell us a little bit more about that. I have experienced God's mercy in a profound way. Um, when I started in my journalism career, I basically feel as if I was indoctrinated. Yeah. A lot of the language that journalists use is unfortunately dehumanizing, especially to the preborn child. And the more that I worked in journalism, the more I was influenced by that dehumanizing language. Yeah. And for instance, the abortion industry has its own Bible, which is called the Associated Press Style Book. And it tells you the words you can use and the words you can't use mm -hmm. regarding abortion. Wow. And for instance, we were not permitted to use the term pro-life. Yeah. So Anti-abortionists. That's mm -hmm. absolutely true. So mm -hmm. how can you adequately explain the issue if you can't even use the right terminology? Mm -hmm. So fortunately, I had a conversion of heart. I went on a parish retreat, and I went to confession for the first time in a long time, many, many years. 
And during that confession, my heart was changed. And I met somebody who offered me pro-life materials to read. And these opened my eyes to the truth. And the more I read and the more I prayed, the more I became convicted, I had to do something. Mm -hmm. So I started out small. I went on rosary processions to a local abortion facility. I then became the uh, moderator of a pro-life group at my parish. And then eventually I came to work full-time in the pro-life movement. And when I did that, I basically left broadcasting behind. But it's amazing how God restores yeah. things and renews things because now I'm on the radio, I think more than ever with podcasts yeah. and with other programs. So God showed mercy to me and I feel like I wanna show that mercy to other people. Yeah. And I feel as if there are a lot of people caught up in this culture of death and they don't know what hit them. And I wanna to say to them, look, there is a better way. There's a path of hoping, hope and healing available to you. You just have to trust in God, educate yourself and be open to it. Right, well, and, and for the beautiful mercy that you received, that's the mercy that you want to convey. And that we don't, and as pro-life people and as people in the culture of life, we need to be full of mercy ourselves. Right. We need to be people that are full of love and hope because they have, there was so much verbal engineering going on and um, the lies and they just kept telling the lies, telling the lies till the whole culture believed the lies mm -hmm. that abortion was gonna solve this problem for this woman and abortion was good for our country and all the lies that they tell, same with birth control and, and the same thing that you experience on the other ends of life with euthanasia and that this is merciful. This is the most merciful thing yeah. that we could do, right? And so you're saying we as a people of God need to be empowered with God's mercy so that we don't come off judgmental or critical mm -hmm. and that we say there is hope and there is healing and there is restoration. You can be restored and we have, we have to believe that first as a people of God right. and then we have to share that well with others. When you said this is the merciful thing to do and you're involved with euthanasia, assisted suicide, yes. you know, confronting this, this is still in our, our language. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's speak a little bit more. We only have a minute or two before the break and we're gonna hold you over. Okay. Uh, but how could they use that term mercy about euthanizing people or assisted suicide or aborting? They use that term. Share with us just a little bit more what mercy is, who mercy is, how mercy truly functions. It doesn't function like that. No, it doesn't. Taking people's lives. No, it doesn't. Mercy is basically love in action. Love in action. Love in action. It's what we learned from Mother Teresa, for instance. In the book, I talk about different spiritual mentors that we've had, and Mother Teresa was first among them. And what did she teach us? She, teach, she taught us to reach out to people with love and compassion, not to judge them, but to serve them. Not to ask them, what's your religion? Um, where do you come from? None of that. Mm -hmm. We just need to love the person before us. And I think that that is the key to mercy. And unfortunately, our culture has distorted the whole concept of mercy. And we need to recognize that the God of mercy is also the God of life. And when we promote life, we are engaging in a merciful action. It does no good to take the life of an innocent mm -hmm. person, whether it is at the beginning of life or at the twilight of life. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and, and mercy was so well explained to us when Jesus was on the cross. Yes. And how he said <laughs> from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then we as a people of God and a people of light need to say, therefore the grace of God go I. I must be one that Amen. gives mercy and gives it abundantly. We're going to have to take a break at this point. I'm so glad you're going to hang with us into the next segment. So we have a few more minutes to talk, speaking with uh, Maria Gallagher. She's written an incredible book, Mercy's Power, Inspiration to Serve the Gospel of Life. It's a book for this very time, phase two of the pro-life movement. You need to get it for yourself personally, for your family, and to be encouraged in the movement. We'll be right back. Plenty more to come. Please don't go away. Welcome back, having a great conversation with Maria Gallagher on her book, Mercy's Power, Inspiration to Serve the Gospel of Life, a must-have for you and for your family and for the pro-life work that God has called each one of us to do. Just have a couple of minutes left, and we were speaking about mercy even offset, and how mercy is what God looks like when God shows up. Mm -hmm. So mercy is not only a feeling or a sentiment, it's action, it does something. What does our audience need to know about taking action? What can we do? How do we do it? I think oftentimes the whole concept of restoring a culture of life can be overwhelming to us, <laughs> right? There, there are so many threats to innocent human life today. But I think we have to realize that not all of us can do everything, but we can each do something. So I think it begins with a self-assessment. You look at yourself and you say, what talents and gifts do I have that I could share with the pro-life movement. And it can run the gamut. Um, we have this lovely woman, Tiffany, who did our makeup today, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's, she's promoting beauty, yeah. and uh, she's using her talents to help us get on the air, right? She did a good job on you today. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I needed it. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just a small thing, right? Your talent may be in knitting, and so you knit caps for newborns who are in the NICU. That can promote the culture of life. Yeah. You may have a talent for fundraising, making money. Well, use it for a pregnancy center. Use yeah. it for a baby bottle blessing campaign. I think that my talent is in writing, so I've tried to harness that writing power yeah. to promote life and to promote mercy in the world. But you have to begin with yourself and what you're capable yeah. of. And I think you have to take it to God. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to pray and ask God to open up the avenues for you so that you can use your talents to advance this culture of life. And it, as I said, maybe something simple, it may be something huge. Look at what Mother Angelica did mm -hmm. with $200 and a dream. Yeah. Right. 
Well, and you, you share that well because, you know, we, we have volunteers at our center. Some of them have skills and technology, and they come in and they do data entry. Some people come in, they have organizational skills, and they're going to run the boutique. I mean, some are trained in their counseling. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things that you can do. It's just what is your skill set? And then sometimes you have no skill set, and God says, but I need you, and I need your voice, mm -hmm. and I need you to just to show up and be there. Right, right? and God will equip you for the mm -hmm. mission. God has equipped me for the mission. I mean, starting out, I really didn't know that much about the pro-life movement, and I learned something new every day, mm -hmm. and I've been in it for many years. Well, it's constantly changing. It is constantly changing. I mean, mm -hmm. when we started out, we never dreamed, for instance, of abortion pill reversal. Mm -hmm. we, right. we just didn't right. think about that. We, we didn't think about um, necessarily palliative care. Right for people at the other spectrum of life. Mm -hmm. So there are things that um, call us every day yes. to a renewed work in the pro-life movement. Maria, thank you so much. I'm so glad we have tomorrow. Yes. A renewed work in the pro-life movement. Mercy's power, inspiration to serve the gospel of life. This is a book for this time, phase two in the movement. She was speaking about assessing your life and, and what you can give in terms of your particular gifts. That's all in the book. She'll help you to assess yourself and to set up an action plan. Uh, so please do get the book, EW10RC.com. God bless you. Be encouraged, be filled with hope. All together, we will build a new culture of life and of marriage and of the family. God will prevail. You're an important part of this family. You're never alone. You're always at home with Jim and Joy. Bye now.